Our sermon text for this morning is James chapter 1, verses 16 through 17, if you could turn there now. Uh, as uh, you may know, the past couple weeks we, we've been going through a, sort of a short mini-series, which we often do in the month of January. Uh, two weeks ago we talked about uh, listening to God's voice. Last week we talked about owning our brokenness. This week we'll talk about receiving God's grace. Then next week we'll talk about uh, delighting in the Father's smile and then finally giving ourselves away. So we're talking about five different ways that we respond to God's grace. Uh, this week talking about receiving it or even living in dependence upon His grace. And so uh, before we read uh, James 1, 16 to 17, let's pray together. Our Father, uh, we know that Your love is very deep and very vast and really unimaginable, uncomprehendable. Uh, Father, we, we cannot comprehend uh, how, how wide and how deep and how wonderful is your love. And yet, uh, Father, uh, what that means is so often we take it for granted uh, or we are not overwhelmed by it. Uh, Father, we pray that you would overwhelm us with your love, that we would stand in awe of your love, that we would marvel at it, and delight in it and rejoice in it. Father, we pray that even right now, as we think about your goodness and your good gifts, uh, we pray that you would point us to your love and to your grace in your son, Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to be reading just two verses in James chapter 1, James chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Well, sometimes January is a time of, you know, those post-Christmas blues. Uh, you take down the decorations and the house seems kind of blah, and uh, you start to survey all of the gifts that you got and... Uh, you begin to think, what am I going to do with all this stuff? I mean, half the stuff you didn't want in the first place, and uh, the other half you're pretty sure will either be broken or lost before the winter's over. Uh, I don't have those post-Christmas blues this year because I got the perfect gift this Christmas. No joke. Uh, it wasn't something I was looking for, uh, but once I got it, I knew it was the best Christmas present ever. Uh, if you know what I got, you're wondering, Luke, how can you be so excited about a bathrobe uh, but uh, that's because you haven't tried it on. <laughs> Sometimes gifts are just perfect, right? They're either everything you ever wanted or something that you didn't even know you wanted until you got it, and then you wonder how you ever lived without it. Without it. Uh, I, I know it's just a bathrobe, but, but it's great. Uh, well, this morning we're talking about uh, God as the giver of every good and perfect gift, and how we are to live in light of that truth. Our text is just the two verses that I read in James chapter 1, and we're going to talk about uh, those two verses in four parts. Uh, if you look on the back of your bulletin, you'll notice, again, there's no uh, outline there, so I'll give it to you now uh, if you want to hold on to it or want to write it down. But four things. Uh, one, do not be deceived. 
Two, all good is from God. Three, who does not change. And then four, therefore live with open hands. So do not be deceived. All good is from God who does not change. Therefore live with open hands. First, do not be deceived. Uh, verse 16 says just that, right? It says, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. And to understand what James is getting at, uh, you have to know the context a little bit. James is an interesting book. Uh, it, it's a bit less like a logical treatise like the book of Romans and a bit more like a, a musical piece that weaves together three or four different uh, themes. Uh, James keeps moving from one theme to the next and then coming back again and building on them each time they come back around. And one of those themes is actually the theme of trials. James chapter 1, verse 2 says, uh, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. James 1.13 says, uh, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Uh, now, it's interesting, the word for trial and temptation are actually the same word. Uh, the, the word does have those two distinct meanings. And so some say that verse 13 should actually read like this. Let no one say when he is tried, or let no one say when he faces trials, I am being tempted by God. See, though the external trial might be attributed to the hand of God, as when God tested Abraham by commanding him to sacrifice his son Isaac, the temptation to sin comes from the desires of our own hearts. That's what verse 14 says, James 1.14, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. It's in that context that James says, do not be deceived. What is the deception right, that, that they or that we are tempted to believe? The deception is that God is tempting me. Uh, not just testing, not just trying my faith or refining it through fire. Uh, first Peter talks about that, right? Peter says, now for a little while you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, trials test and refine our faith, but our temptation in the midst of those is often to accuse God, to say, God doesn't love me, right? God doesn't care. God has abandoned me. God is tempting me to sin, we say, through this trial. And it's in that context that James says, do not be deceived. The deception is to believe that, that God is not good when I experience trials. Or to put differently, the deception is to think that, that God gives us half-baked gifts, right? That therefore I must, I must look for good from some other source because God isn't giving, giving it to me. God, he, he's trying me. He's tempting me even. And so I think God gives bad gifts. And so we look for good gifts from people or places other than, than God. And think about it. Have you ever gone through some trial or undergone some trial and been tempted to believe that God is not good? That his gifts are not good, that he doesn't know what's best, that he doesn't want what's best, that he couldn't give what's best. This was Satan's deceit from the very beginning, wasn't it? That God is holding out on you. There's good to be had in the world if you will only reach out your hand and take it. It can be yours. But don't look to God. He knows what's good, but he's holding back, Satan said. Right? He's holding back. God knows that this tree is good for you, but he won't let you have it. 
Well, do not be deceived, brothers and sisters. Do not let the deceiver have his way with your soul. It's interesting what James says next, because, which brings us to the next point, that all good is from God. Here's what James doesn't say. He doesn't say every gift that God gives is good. He could have said that, but he doesn't say that. Paul, uh, Paul says something like that in 1 Timothy, uh, Timothy 4.4. He says, for everything created by God is good. That's what Paul says there. James says, though, every good and every perfect gift is from above. Every good thing there is is from God. That's what James is saying. And I want to do two things here. First, what, what does it mean for something to be good and perfect? And then second, uh, what are those good, perfect gifts that God gives? Uh, so first, good and perfect, right? The Father gives good gifts, James says. Good gifts, those which are excellent in some way, even beneficial. Uh, you see this in Matthew chapter 7, verses 9 through 11. Jesus says, uh, Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? See, what are the good things there? Well, the, the beneficial things, the life-giving things, the gifts that the Father gives us are good for us. But they're not just good, they're also perfect, James says. Uh, the word perfect or complete or whole is kind of a key word in James. You find it repeated again and again. God's gifts are whole. Uh, they're, they're not partial, right? They're not incomplete. Uh, God doesn't give half goods. As if uh, we might say, I know God has done good in my life, but what about... There's some good, but there's this other stuff there too. Or, or his gifts may be good, but there's still something missing. It's not complete. Uh, James says, no, every good and every perfect gift, every whole, every complete gift is from above. Well, what are those good gifts, right? What are those good gifts that God gives? Uh, well, I, I could think of uh, a number of things. I thought of five categories, though uh, there could certainly be more. Uh, but uh, every good and perfect created thing is from God. Uh, Brian mentioned Psalm 104 and his love for Psalm 104. And, and um, Psalm 104 celebrates that God has created all these things. It celebrates the, the, the creative power of God. And that includes all physical goods, right? Like, like food and drink and sex. 1 Timothy 4.4, referring to those very things, says, For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. And that includes social goods, right? Like marriage and family and government. Uh, in the beginning, God said it's not good for man to be alone. And so God gave humanity the good of companionship. Every good and perfect created thing is from God. Second, every good and perfect providence is from God. Uh, God didn't just create the world and then check out, right? But he is sovereign over the world as it is. Every good event, every happenstance, right? Every surprise birthday party, every promotion, uh, every time you get into that class that you were really hoping to get into, right? These are good gifts from your father. Of course, it goes beyond those things. Uh, it goes beyond those things that we would naturally call good. Romans 8, 28 says, We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And so, says James, uh, we should count it all joy when we encounter various trials. 
because their outcome, James says, is our perfection, our wholeness, our maturity. Or as, uh, as Peter puts it, the trials that grieve us are the trials that refine us. And so while events themselves might be bad, and we don't need to, to call what is bad good, there is a good end. So we can rejoice that our Father is in this. Every good and perfect providence is from God, even when it doesn't seem good or perfect to us at the time. Third, every good and perfect redemptive blessing is from God. God made a good world in which he works out his good plan, but human beings rebelled and turned bad. But God in his mercy shows grace. God sent Jesus, the good gift, to bear our badness, to bear our sin, to die in our place, to give us the gifts of forgiveness and of power to live well, of the promise of the resurrection on the last day. Hebrews 9.11 and 10.1 call these spiritual blessings of redemption the, the good things to come or the good things that have come now in Jesus. So every good and perfect redemptive blessing is from God. We can't earn them. We don't deserve them. They are good and perfect gifts from our Father. Fourth, every good and perfect interpersonal good is from God, right? Relationships are his gift. Love and friendship are from him. Not just the category of relationships even, uh, generically, but the specific ones that we have. So Proverbs 18.22 says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Or Proverbs 19.14 says, House and wealth are inherited from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. Right? The Proverbs also say many good things about friends, right? And surely we're to understand that friends too are God's gifts. When you have a good friend in your life, that good friend is a gift from your father. Peaceful relations are God's gift. Proverbs 16.7 says, When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. That every good and perfect interpersonal good is from God. Fifth, every good and perfect interpersonal good is from God. I just mean, you know, peace of mind and hope and joy. These are gifts from our Father. Joy is called a fruit of the Spirit, right? Peace of mind, Paul says, comes from the Lord of peace, 2 Thessalonians 3.16. Hope is our spiritual birthright as Christians. We've been given an inheritance in heaven, and Paul says in Romans 15, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. See, every good and perfect interpersonal good is from God. Uh, we don't have a, a right to these things per se. We, we haven't earned them. Uh, we can't demand them. But if we have them, they are good gifts from our Father. You may wonder, how is God the giver of all of these good things? Uh, how does that relate to circumstances and people? Uh, well, I, I don't want to dive too much into sort of the, the philosophy of this, but the Bible presents us with this idea of secondary causes, right? That, that even when we have a good thing that comes from uh, the, the, the situation or circumstances or people around us, ultimately that good thing is from God. So Psalm 127 uh, verse 1 says, uh, you know, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Um, that doesn't mean we sit back and let God build the house, uh, but it means our efforts are fruitless if God is not in it. God is the primary cause. We are the secondary. And so if a friend gives you a good gift, thank that friend by all means, and then thank God for both the friend and the gift. 
for that matter, that friend only has what they have to give you because God has first given it to them. The truth is, even those gifts that we give to God are first God's gifts to us. So uh, David prays at one point in 1 Chronicles about the gifts that the people were offering for the building of the temple. And David prays, he says, But who am I and what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you, and of your, of your own have we given you. Right? Even the gifts that we give are first the gifts that we receive. And so you see the point, right? Every good you enjoy is a gift, a gift from your Father in heaven. Every gift you receive, every gift that you give is first a gift from your Father in heaven, your Father who does not change. This is an important point, right? As, uh, as we've said, James doesn't say every gift that God gives is good. Uh, he says every good gift is from God. Uh, that said, though, every good gift is from God, though every good gift is from God, does God always give good gifts? You following that? Yeah. Uh, this is why James's title for God, the Father of Lights, and the epithet that follows is so important. Uh, again, think about, uh, think about Matthew 7, 9 through 11 again. Uh, Jesus says, Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Well, why is Jesus so sure that the Father will give good gifts? Because if even we, right, evil though we be, sometimes give good gifts, how much more our Father in heaven? Well, why? Well, as James says, he is the Father of lights. Now, this is the only place that that name uh, for God is used. It probably means the creator of the sun and the moon and the stars, right? The, the lights above. But why would God's creating the lights, as amazing as that is, why would that imply that God always gives good gifts? Well, light has a, has a figurative meaning, doesn't it? Uh, it stands for what is good and pure and honest. Light is not deceptive. It has nothing to hide. This is, why John, this is the way that John uses light when he says in 1 John 1, 5, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. John there means uh, no, no moral darkness, at least. If he might mean more than that, but he at least means no moral darkness in God. God has nothing to hide. He has no dark side. James puts it slightly differently, but he means the same thing. God is the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Have you ever seen one of those time-lapse uh, videos of a sunrise and a sunset, right, where the sun breaks in over the horizon and the shadows appear and then they shrink as the sun goes up into the sky and then they grow again as the sun begins to set and eventually they disappear again, right? The world becomes light, the world becomes dark again. God is the father of lights, but with him there is no variation or shadow due to change. What's that mean? It means unlike the sun and the moon and the stars which rise and set, which wax and wane, God does not change. God is unchangeably light, unchangeably good, and every good and perfect gift is from this unchangeably good God. Now you might wonder, okay, well how can I know that God will give his good gifts to me? Uh, I, I know he gives good gifts, but how can I know his gifts to me will be good? 
I know he's unchangeably good. I get that. I hear that. But sometimes because he is good, he punishes the evildoer and destroys the wicked and the oppressor. So how can I know his gifts to me will be good? Well, the only way you can know for certain that God will give good gifts to you is by looking to Jesus. This is what Paul says in Romans 8.32. Paul says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? See, that is, if, if the Father gave his own son for us, how will he not also give us everything we need for life and godliness? Why would the Father give up the Son, but then withhold food and shelter and clothing? Why would He give the most valuable thing, and then withhold a few pennies of grace? No, whatever we need in this life for our good, the Father will supply to those who ask Him. If you being evil, Jesus says, know how to give good gifts, how much more will the Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? The scripture is clear, right? It's for those who, those who love God, Romans 8 says, that all things work together for good. It's those who receive the Son who also receive the all things Paul talks about in Romans 8. So on the one hand, right, I mean, every good and perfect gift, every good and every perfect gift is from above. That means whatever good you experience, whoever you are, Christian or non-Christian, doesn't matter, right? Whatever good you experience, that is a good gift from the Father, He deserves your thanks and your praise. But truth be told, the Father has more to give than food and drink and sex. The Father has more to give than good-paying jobs and healthy relationships. The Father wants to give you Himself. And the good gifts are mere tokens of His love and goodness. But if you want to know the Father's good will towards you, you must first receive His greatest gift, the gift of Jesus. He who did not spare his own son, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If you want to know the fullness of the Father's good will toward you, begin with the gift of Jesus, right? Embrace him, trust him, rest in him. Now, this doesn't mean that uh, God will give us all the good things that we want, right? If you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you've realized that. It doesn't mean that we will like every good thing the Father puts in our lives. It means that we can trust whatever comes our way, our Father intends it for our good. If you remember the the, the story of Joseph back in the book of Genesis, I'm pretty sure Joseph did not like much of what happened in his life. His brothers hated him, threw him into a well, sold him into slavery. He was falsely accused of attempted rape, convicted, and left to rot in jail. But at the end of his life, he said to his brothers, you intended it for evil, but God intended it for good. You can trust your father. You may not understand it at the moment. You may not know what's going on, but you know that you have a good God who gives good gifts. You can trust him. He has proven his love in the cross. His goodness and his willingness to to give even to the rebellious and the broken. That's our Father's love. Know this before trouble comes. That's the time to learn this lesson. Not when you're in the midst of it. It's really hard when you're in the midst of it. But before trouble comes, know that your good Father gives good gifts. Even, Even the hard ones. Even the difficult ones. And that will be a great comfort when trouble does come. 
Well, this brings us actually to our last point. So, so don't be deceived. Right? All good is from God who does not change. Therefore, live with open hands. The Father is the source of every good and perfect gift. And for those who know his love in Jesus, we can be sure that every gift is for our good. Where does that leave us? I think uh, there are at least six implications. That sounds like a lot, but I'll go through them fast. Uh, six, six implications. Uh, humility, awe, dependence, rest, activity, and thanksgiving. Yes, that's six. Okay, that's good. Thought I counted wrong there for a minute. First, uh, humility. Know that everything we have comes from God. Listen to these verses, right? Uh, John 3.27, this is is John the Baptist speaking. He says, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. 1 Corinthians 4.7, for who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? And if then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not? John 15, 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. See, everything we have, everything we are, everything we can do comes from God one way or another. What that means is the the fundamental stance of humanity is reception, right? We We receive uh, we tend to think of ourselves as, as movers and shakers or, or as having something to offer or of ourselves as doers and givers. But first and primarily, we are receivers. Starting with life and breath, our minds and bodies, this day is God's gift. Should tomorrow come, it too will be a gift from our Father. Salvation as his, is His gift. The Spirit is His gift. The hope of the resurrection is His gift. And yes, you, you do have something to give. You have something to give to God. You have something to give the world. But that, too, is God's gift to you. And God's gift through you to those around you. And so we need to approach life with humility to see that everything is a gift. Nothing comes from me. It all comes from Him. Second, marvel, then, that every good thing comes from God's hand. Uh, if it doesn't come from me and it doesn't come from you, it comes from him. And, and we might be instruments to, to bless one another, but he is the source of that blessing. And are you not amazed at his goodness toward you? If not, you probably don't get it. Right? I mean, the, the, the freedom with which God lavishes his gifts or the undeserved nature of those gifts. God doesn't owe us anything. In fact, on the level of strict justice, he he could have scrapped this world and started over, but he didn't. He shows grace and he gives good gifts and he continues to lavish them upon us day after day, year after year, minute after minute. Three, live in active dependence upon him. If God is the giver of every good and perfect gift, how foolish if we go about life thinking we can affect good in our own lives or the lives of others on our own apart from his blessing, right? Unless the Lord builds the house, the laborer labors in vain. Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. So live a life of active dependence, open hands, receptive hearts, right? That, that, that is a, a prayerful acknowledgement that all the good that we have and any good that we might see, any good that we might do comes from him. 
Seek it from his hand. And of course, as you do, that will lead forth to, to rest. Psalm 131 says, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Is your soul calm and quiet, resting in the hands of your father as a weaned child in the arms of its mother? Do you seek blessing from your father and then rest knowing that he will give all good things in his good timing? Or are you restless, fearful, anxious, worried about what will come next? Your father knows what you need. He is able and willing to supply rest. Do not be anxious about your life, Jesus said, about what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Right? This is a life of active dependence, prayerful rest, pursuing the Father, and then resting in his provision. Humility, awe, dependence, rest, activity. Sometimes people mistake dependence and rest for inactivity. But as we rest in God's provision through active dependence, right, we then move out in dependent activity. Right, Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborer builds in vain, but the builder must build. Even as he builds, he does that with this conscious recognition that unless the Lord builds the house, everything I'm doing is empty and worthless. I need God, but I'm building, I'm trusting, I'm acting. And so we labor and we strive in the Christian life, but we do that consciously dependent. And so resting in God's provision and grace, not resting in our striving, not resting in our efforts, but striving as we rest in God's grace. Humility, awe, dependence, rest, activity, finally, give thanks in all circumstances. Ingratitude, I think, is actually one of the greatest sins. Uh, you, you might think murder, right? That's a big sin. Or pride, they've got to be greater. Idolatry or blasphemy, definitely, right? Uh, but ingratitude, thanklessness, deserves to be on that list. Romans 1.21, uh, Paul says of sinful humanity, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Right? To not thank God is to deny him. To not thank him is to be deceived, to think that good comes from some other source or that I deserve it. I've earned it. Right? Thanklessness is unbelief. This is why Paul can so confidently say in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So let me encourage you to take time to meditate on the Father's good gifts to you the specific, concrete, uh, particular to you, good gifts. Think about them. 
And let that humble you. Let them overwhelm you with awe and amazement that the Father would give such good gifts to you. Let that drive you to prayer for continued provision. Let that quiet your soul, knowing your Father will provide. And let that cause your heart to overflow with thanksgiving for all that your Father has done. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you. We thank you for your good gifts. Father, so often, I know, I take them for granted. I just assume that they'll be there. Or I, or I, I think that you haven't provided what I need because you haven't provided what I wanted. Father, help us to be thankful for your good gifts and know that as our good God, you withhold nothing that we need at any moment. Help us to know this, especially as we look to the cross and to the resurrection. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.